Greetings, gamers, and thank you for listening to Game on Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. Today, we're going to talk about Wreck-It Ralph. This animated film by Disney Pixar was released in the U.S. on November 2nd. It's about an 8-bit villain, Ralph, in the arcade game Fix-It Felix Jr., who is tired of always being the bad guy. When the arcade closes, we see what happens inside the world of each game and learn the expectations of our heroes and villains. The hero of Ralph's game, Felix, is celebrated every night with a party while Ralph sleeps in a rubbish heap outside. Ralph is alone and he wants to be recognized as well, but no one appreciates his wrecking abilities. So Ralph breaks the cardinal rule of the arcade and jumps from his game to a modern FPS hero's duty. He does this so that he can get a hero's medal. He thinks this will make him a hero to everyone and that they will finally appreciate him. Well, Regina, what did you think of the, the movie? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I, yep. I, I just adored it. There's there's very little that I could critique on it. I enjoyed it so much. And and just to warn our listeners, there will probably be more than a few spoilers in our conversation today. So if you're sensitive to those things, please, please keep that in mind as you're listening to this episode. Yeah, the, there are there's a lot to talk about in regards to the characters and the, the storyline. I mean, there's just so much here. I just I love the film so much. I'm a fan of um, animated features anyway, so I know I'm going to be buying this one. But the the animation was brilliant. Um, the voice work was was perfectly cast. Yeah, I love each and every one of the voices of the characters. Yes. Uh, John C. Riley as Ralph, uh, Sarah Silverman as Vanellope Von Sweet, um, and my personal favorite as King Candy, Yay! Alan Tudyk, who yeah. we all know and love, at least those of us who are brown coats from Firefly. Yeah. I didn't even know it until I think after I saw the movie. Oh, really? I, I, because no, I didn't. I, I because I kept thinking back. I'm like, God, they didn't sound anything like him. It didn't I thought sound, I would recognize yeah, him. Yeah, it didn't sound anything like him. And I sat through the credits and I saw his name and I started bouncing in the seat. And my friend yeah. that I was with was like, "What are you so excited about?" And I'm like, that's yeah, the guy from Firefly. And she's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and they didn't they didn't promote him no. as one of the main voices. And I think that was a really big mistake because I was thrilled. Yeah, me too. Me too. Which I wonder, though, is because they wanted you not to be trying to figure out, like, oh, wow, that doesn't sound anything like him. Like, I don't know. Maybe. But I think that's what the, the brilliance of it. I think yeah. he's got a, a great future and yeah. voice work. He is really very, very talented. And if he wants to come on the show and talk to us, too, we would not object to that at all. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, we could talk about suburgatory or oh, yeah. you know, leaves yep. or whatever he wants to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Dinosaurs. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Your inevitable betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think as far as gender issues are concerned, I would say that Pixar has been putting out some of the most well-balanced films that I've seen in a while. Absolutely. Um, I think Wreck-It Ralph is probably the best so far, but I'd also throw in there Wally and Brave and The Incredibles. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Wally was one of the, the best. I, I love the messages that 
are often in Pixar films. They, they really are good with having important messages that don't come off as preachy. Yeah, and they're extremely good, positive messages, especially for kids. I mean, they're just as applicable to adults. Right. But, I mean, these are affirming. I, I mean, I'm sure somebody in some obscure fringe could find some things wrong with the messages that they're giving. But right. the idea of being happy with who you are, mm-hmm. of the fact that you are uniquely and individually talented and that you are, you should be accepted for exactly who you are. I mean, I just think those things are, are simple and brilliant and, and special. Yeah. And aren't themes that happen in enough movies. (laughs) There seriously are not enough movies that are affirming of, identity and individuality. There are lots of movies that sort of break that down. And, you know, and a big trend right now with our heroes um, and our villains sort of being murky, where, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, we had pretty clear cut good guy, bad guy lines. And that's one of the best things about Wreck-It Ralph as well is because it's focusing on the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, Actually, now that you mention it, all of those movies I mentioned are really basically about identity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're, and yeah, I mean, I go back and watch Wally now, and I see both of the main characters, Wally and Eve, mm-hmm. entirely differently. In fact, it makes me chuckle to watch Eve <laughs> um, with her attitude of shooting everything at the beginning, anything that moves, and right. th- that that you know, knee-jerk reaction to things and then coming to terms with the value of another identity. Right. And what they have to contribute is just, it's, it's an absolutely beautiful relationship that starts. Oh, it is. It is. And, and to have the movie focus on that relationship, I mean, there's so much else that goes on and, you know, and they rescue the, the civilization that has (laughs) deteriorated. (laughs) Yeah. That has deteriorated so completely from, you know, the, the base idea of humanity, which, you know, is another sort of cautionary tale of putting too much emphasis on technology and technological advancements, which, you know, I don't think is a bad thing. Um, and, And that sort of warning that, that, that carries, but because because we're constantly focused on how Wally and Eve are reacting to each other, um, I, I think that that's that helps ground it in in what relationships mean and what individual identities mean when they can kind of come together and build their strength as as a pairing. Yeah. Now, how do you think the telling of the Wreck It Ralph story? is different or unique because they talk from a villain's perspective? Well, I think we're often likely to stereotype our villains and and think that maybe they enjoy or take pleasure in their actions. And clearly, you know, Ralph is good at what he does, but he doesn't get a lot of sort of after 30 years of wrecking things, he's not getting a whole lot of satisfaction out of that. And we see from him from the very beginning, a very empathetic character mm-hmm. where 
I, I love the moment where he's he's he stole the cherries from um, Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Pac-Man meeting, because all the bad guys have their uh, bad guys anonymous meeting in uh, in the Pac-Man, l- the little center room in Pac-Man, which I, I loved as well. Um, and so he grabs the cherries on his way out and sort of smuggles them, smuggles them in. And then he sees Qbert. This is another storyline that I absolutely love. Qbert has been completely, they, they've been unplugged, so they've lost their game. So they're homeless and he hands them, you know, a cherry sort of to take care of them and and shows that empathy toward them losing their game and losing their identity because what does a game character have if they don't, if nobody's playing their game? Right. Just kind of a really deep philosophical question. If we want to get into it, it's kind of like the, you know, does a tree make a sound if it falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it? Right. (laughs) It's that same sort of, you know, uh, metaphysical question. What is a game character if nobody's playing their game? Well, and also the whole thing as far as the way things go for Ralph when he's he's disillusioned from, from where he's at. He thinks that the thing to do is to get a medal because that's what happens to Felix at the end of the game. Right. And the, why everybody celebrates him is because he gets the medal. Right. So he goes out to get the medal. So just the same way with Qbert, whose game has been unplugged, does the game define their identity? Right. right. And how much are they depending on the game for who they are? And Ralph kind of has things upside down i think he actually he likes what he does and he's really good at it Mm -hmm. but for some reason he's been told it's a bad thing right it's a very negative thing and nobody celebrates that kind of thing right and i think that is is extremely common Mm -hmm. with particular talents or particular skills or particular hair color or a particular size is that, well, the ideal is to be blonde, the ideal is to be six foot, right? and you're the other. Right. And and the game doesn't exist without Ralph. If Ralph isn't there to wreck, yeah. as, as we see when he does abandon the game and he heads to Hero's Duty to try to get that medal that he thinks is going to prove how valuable he is, they, they can't play. The game gets put out of order because there's nobody there to wreck. You know, Mm-mm. there's nothing for Felix to fix. No. So Fix It Felix becomes, you know, meaningless without Ralph. And they're ostr- they ostracize him. And that act of pushing him out into the garbage heap in, in terms of not inviting him to the party, the 30th anniversary party, he gets completely cut out from and, you know, he doesn't get included in anything. They don't recognize that it really does take his strengths, literally, yeah. to to support the the game. I mean, they have no reason for existing if Ralph isn't there. Yeah, and Ralph hasn't accepted yet that what he does is a good thing. Right. And that's another adventure that he has to go on. Right. Um, the other thing I thought that was very interesting is that in in when Ralph does jump to the first-person shooter, it's not as important to him how he gets the medal. Right. He just wants the medal, which I think is another really important message because the medal doesn't mean anything. Right. Right. Well, and, and, and then that, I mean, we'll talk about this later. I won't, I won't give that part away yet because we haven't sort of gone into the other characters that he meets as he's going through his journey, but he, 
well, symbols are very important to all of us. And that's, that's how we make meaning in life are decoding and reading symbols. And that's what we're doing when we're gaming. It's what we're doing when we're problem solving. It's what we do in just general in life is give meaning to actions and things. And Ralph puts all of his identity in this. Okay. If I can get this, this medal, then I'm a good guy. And what he doesn't realize is that, you know, he ends up getting the medal, (laughs) By going through the game, the Heroes Duty game, after it's gone to sleep. <laughs> yeah. After it's been turned off, he manages to be able to get to the top to get the medal and, you know, not disturb the cybug eggs or whatever and, and, and be able to walk up to the to reach the, the pinnacle of that. Um, and But it still has all that meaning for him because all he's doing is holding on to the symbol of the medal. And then that comes back later on. <laughs> Yeah, because at that point, I mean, Ralph's done several things he's not supposed to, mm-hmm. and there it's have been all kinds of rules, <laughs> broken all kinds of rules, and as a result, havoc ensues. Exactly, exactly. He ends up infecting the very sweet game of Sugar Rush with brilliant name, sh- brilliant. <laughs> brilliant concept i can't wait to play it <laughs> oh, i'm so hungry during most of that movie <laughs> absolutely uh, i wished we had brought um brought some candy in with us which we did which we didn't when we went to see it but um i turned to my friend kathleen that i was watching it with and i said uh, i really want to go play mario kart now <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I just wanted some sweet tarts. Yeah. <laughs> sweet tarts would have been good. Uh, yeah. So um, brilliant, you know, writing in terms of um, and, and also the way the games interact in that <clears throat> the characters move between game consoles and the game cabinets by traveling along the power cords to Game Central Station, which is the power strip that they're all plugged yeah. into. And then from there, you know, the plugs are the entry points into each game. And that's how they can co- sort of interact and, and have these uh, encounters with each other. And I, I just thought that that was brilliant writing, just absolutely brilliant yeah. writing, because it t- it's taking what's there, what we all recognize, mostly are, are the adults, I'm sure, the kids may be being a little familiar with arcades, but those of us who grew up in that generation of kids who went to the arcades, you know, recognize all of these sort of the trappings of the arcade and using that as how they, they told the story. Yeah. And I love, I, I don't think I can say enough about the story because it was just, it was layered. Well, it had very good character development and it, pulled the characters together into a great team mm-hmm. i mean I, there was no point in time at which i was sitting there going okay i'm watching a kid's film this is and this is cute i never did that no i i never had a moment like that either where i hesitated or where i thought wow this is so juvenile or oh clearly this is for the kids and i love that because i think often kids are easy easily to raise up to adult standards or adult ideas and you don't need to placate to them no and i you know there were a couple kids in the row with me as i was watching it and they were asking you know for some explanations on a couple of things they didn't really understand some references that they didn't get um but they didn't impede this story no and that was brilliant as well to be able to have a story that had so much meaning i mean there are so many game references so many characters so many little touches that were just fantastic throughout the whole thing it's just 
Yeah. Yeah. If anybody wants to to check them out after they see the movie, you can. Disney has a wiki um, about Wreck It Ralph, and also Wikipedia itself has an article. And there are several places you can go to find all of the gaming references. Yeah, there are a couple um, articles that are written up with screenshots and captures of all the different characters and and this and that as well. So you can kind of go through. And Disney has a bunch of clips on their website. I know because I watched most of them this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you sum up then if if we don't give away the the adventure and the path that that Ralph takes? What would you sum up about Wreck-It Ralph, about its its um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? What is saying about identity? Well, I would sum up that each one of the characters has to accept not only their strengths, but their weaknesses, and to make those part of who they are for everybody to be successful. Yeah. And and to work as a group, they had to accept that they didn't always have all the strengths they needed to work independently, that they had to rely on the other people and the abilities the other people had to to solve the biggest problem at the end, the end of the movie. Yeah, and appreciate each other for who they were. Yes, absolutely. Because one of the things that I thought was just really beautiful in Sugar Rush, the uh, heroine there is Vanellope. Right. And there's a scene where she creates a race car. (laughs) Everything's made out of candy. (laughs) And when it comes out, it, I mean... From most viewpoints, especially compared to the other cars in the game. Right. Which are all slick and cute and perfectly matching colors and all kind, you know, which match the racers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Her car's kind of a mess. Just kind of. But she loves it. Right. Right. And she's like, this is me. Right. And the idea is she, all she ever wanted to do was to be herself. Right. All she wanted to do is to be accepted exactly valued to be valued for who she Mm -hmm. was right and she wasn't looking to change she just she was just determined Mm -hmm. to participate she was determined to be part of the culture and to be part of the game and to be allowed to do what she felt like she had always been you know set to do to be the you know to be able to race and she had been you know also ostracized and cut out and kept away from the game itself. And so she, you know, embraces all that and works, you know, she is a smart girl on a mission. (laughs) Yeah. I think as far as identity is concerned, one of the quotes um, by Ralph, I think kind of sums it up. He says, I'm bad and that's good. Right. And right. that's not bad. There's no one I'd rather be than me. Right. That was the um, the mantra of the villains anonymous. <laughs> yeah. What they say at the end of their their meeting, um, you know, you're 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 a bad guy, but you're not a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he also says later after he meets Vanellope, he says, you know, if if she thinks I'm a good guy, right. I can't be that bad. Right. Exactly. Which comes to. The medal that she gives him, which is the one that's way more meaningful than the one he gets from the other game. Well, now, what about the uh, gender themes? Well, I I love, I want to talk about a lot of the ma- the female characters in this. Um, we have Sergeant Calhoun, uh, voiced by uh, Jane Lynch, who plays Sue Sylvester on Glee. And she's just brilliant. I mean, she's brilliant, period. But that character, 
Sergeant Callahan is is a fantastic female character as well. She's valued, you know, she's beautiful and she's curvy. She doesn't have her cleavage hanging out all over the place, no. even though she does have a very hourglass figure, but she doesn't have, you know, her boobs hanging out all over the place. She's valued for her strategic smarts, for the fact that she yeah. is a supreme warrior and fighter and soldier and that's what she's valued for above all else above everything else and yes it's noted that she's beautiful and that she lost her husband to these uh cybugs that she's fighting or her potential husband to these cybugs that she's fighting but and it gives her character depth but it doesn't define who she is yes and that's exactly. fantastic gendered and just fantastic writing. I mean, that, that gives her depth and, uh, you know, full fleshed out character, you know. Yeah. And I like the idea that, I mean, she is not one of the, one of the main characters. She's part of the team, mm-hmm. but she, she's not one dimensional in the role of Sergeant. And she could so easily be just the, yeah. you know, the hard ass female Sergeant could easily be written off and stereotyped instead of given the kind of depth that she is given. And I think what what ends up happening with her and the relationships that she has in the in the film is what cinches that Mm -hmm. identity so well and makes her a well-rounded woman. Mm, Absolutely. It defines her as a a woman that I wouldn't mind being. I don't, you know, I don't want to just be the kick-ass. Right, right. But at the same time, I don't have to shrug off my strength to have any other type of relationships or have any more depth right. or really to great. be attractive. She doesn't yes. have to that to be attractive. So, yeah. and that's, that's another, you know, kudos in terms of themes in terms of powerful themes that, you know, to have a character that is so well-written, so fleshed out and, and who is not the main character. No, you know, it takes a lot of work to get secondary characters to have that amount of depth and, um, yeah, I th- I was interested in her. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I was too. Like I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And I loved the way, you know, talk about the way that they managed the storytelling through the games. I love how the first person shooter was a computer that was on wheels. <laughs> right? She that the the actual gamer when the actual gamer came into Heroes Duty at the very beginning. Um, the little girl, another note that I would like to make that the, the primary gamer that we're following around the arcade is, is, is a girl girl with glasses, uh, who's very interested in playing all the different games and gets shunned by some of the boys at one point in time. Uh, that resonated pretty deeply with me. (laughs) Yes. I I noted that almost immediately. I'm like, Wow. And yeah. she's not going first to Sugar Rush and playing Sugar Rush the entire time. No, she's not. She's 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 very well rounded in what she yeah. chooses to play as well, which is another, you know, brilliant maneuver on their part, um, on the writers and in the writing of the game. Or in the game <laughs> in the writing of the movie. Um, but as 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 she's playing Heroes Duty and we're watching um Ralph try to play the game in he's in the suit. The, the the first person shooter is represented by a computer screen on wheels. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's the yeah, screen. that's really smart. That was really smart. There were really a lot of nice ways that they handled integrating um, 
the user, the user into into the games and and how the game was sort of interacting with them. So, um, oh yeah, that was nice. I can't remember. Oh, what? I can't remember what we were saying before that. <laughs> um, well, we we're talking about all the different female characters. Right. So we mentioned the girl who plays in the arcade, which was one of my top ones. Yep. And Sergeant Calhoun. And then we've briefly mentioned Vanellope. What are what are your uh, insights on her as a as the female role that she's carrying in the film? I love that she isn't the sugary sweet character that all the other female racers are. <laughs> she is sassy. She's sassy. She can give as good as she gets. She's got you know, she's sarcastic. I mean, she is beautifully sarcastic which helps that sarah silverman was voicing her um she she was just she was a tomboy you know she was perfectly comfortable in you know she's wearing green which is you know uh, not necessarily what you would generally see female characters in 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 a game like that as you can see by the other characters although i love the outfits of some of the other characters especially the one that looked a lot like uh, strawberry shortcake oh yeah they were so cute and they were so well done but i love that she does that she's she is just like you said her car looks her her hair's got candy just sort of spattered throughout it and she's got a ponytail there's nothing particularly fancy about her um and i love all of that because it it's different than our sort of ideas of sugary sweet girls. She she sort of breaks some of that down, and that's that's something I always love. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to note too. Now that I'm thinking about it, the game Sugar Rush mm-hmm. is basically a racing game, right? But all the racers in the game, if I'm not mistaken, are girls. Not all of them. There's a couple of boys as well. Are there? Yeah, but it's primarily girls, though. Okay. But there are, there are a couple of boys, boy racers. Um, I can't remember any of their names off the top of my head, even though I just looked at them on the Disney site. But okay. there's a couple of boy, but they're, you know, it's kind of an anime style. So everybody has kind of the same looking face. So it'd be really... I was about to say. <laughs> they all have that same sort of pretty lips and big eyes thing that, you know, generally goes with the sort of anime, anime characters. <laughs> Now, are there any other female characters that you wanted to mention? Um, I think that that was most of the the main ones, I think. What did you think of the idea that there were there any villain female characters represented? No, there weren't. And I did notice that, too. Well, I, and I'm just curious about that because, I mean, just in the in the culture or in in the gaming industry, females as as the villain is rare anyway. Yeah, just in general. There was one female in the uh, ba- Villains Anonymous group. Yes. Um, but who didn't have a speaking part, and I, I didn't know the reference of the game or if it was a game reference. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, she was on the screen so little. I spent yeah. a great deal of time this morning trying to figure out who she was. Yeah, she was floating in purple. And that's all I remember about her. Yeah. And I only remember that from watching them leave the the meeting and and all they were all in Game Central Station, and I remember seeing her float away from Ralph. Yeah, but that's all. That's all I remember. All the other speaking roles were male antagonists. And I don't think, I mean, there's been several female antagonists. I remember in World of Warcraft, there was actually a dragon that was a female dragon that you fought and a couple of other female characters that you had to uh, take down in different dungeons. 
But in terms of our sort of iconic games that Wreck-It Ralph is playing off of, I don't think there are a lot of female bad guys. No, but I mean, what? I guess what are your thoughts in general about whether or not women play the villain or not? Well, I think plenty of women are villains. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Disney was almost built on that. You yeah, know, the... exactly. I mean, we have, um, you know, what, what wasn't Snow White one of the first, the first full length one, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's got talk about the, the wicked witch and yeah, the um, the wicked stepmother. Um, yeah, that was that's a pretty, pretty hardcore um, bad, bad lady, bad woman. I don't like the word lady. Yeah. <laughs> bad female character, which I hate to admit, but um, if you're watching Once Upon a Time is named Regina in Once Upon ah. a Time. <gasps> it just never fails. I'm always the bad guy. My name's always the bad guy. Mean Girls, Regina was like the queen mean mean girl. Oh, but it's so fun to play those roles. It is. I always love those. I always love bad guys when I was acting. I always love the secondary, you know, characters because they always had so much more depth and interest to them. But um, I don't know that we that we have had. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's just some sort of bias. Maybe it's just, I guess the, the industry has been kind of slowly incorporating more and more female lead characters in games. I think that the female villain is extremely difficult to do. Yeah. Um, especially if you're dealing with games mostly that are physical. Yeah. Or arcade based. Right. Mm. Um, and I can't even remember, I think the movie was called the raid mm. where the, um, the actress that played Sarah Connor in the, uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles, mm-hmm. she plays a drug warlord. Oh, um, the movie is not that great, but that role is dead on. And my theory is that the villain woman typically is a worse villain sometimes than men are. Mm-hmm. Because the idea of a woman completely devoid of nurturing, or empathy, of empathy, mm-hmm. I mean, any of that type of thing is very unnerving. Yeah, that's a lot harder to accept um, when the when the females end up being, when a woman ends up being the bad guy. I, w- I wonder how people felt um, the most recent Batman movie when it ended up being that the woman was, you know, sort of the supreme. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in general, I had a hard time with it because yeah. I didn't get the impression that she was a strong woman to begin with. Right. Right. And I just didn't see her as a villain. I mean, I wasn't convinced of it. Yeah. I had that. I had a similar feeling with that as well. Actually, I would question the writing in much of that movie, but yeah, (laughs) a lot of the choices that they made weren't choices that I thought were particularly effective in terms of storytelling. So that makes it difficult in in and of itself. I also guess at the very beginning of the movie that she was going to be the person they pinned it all on. Oh yeah, that's right. You said you mentioned that you figured that yeah, out. Yeah, like, I wasn't. I wasn't even really paying attention. But <laughs> I mean, there were oh what big time chasing rabbits here. Um, yeah. But I think that a, a female villain is probably just more difficult, mm-hmm. and it probably doesn't fit into most of the genres of the games. Well. And, and we can actually tie this back to sort of our main themes of Wreck-It Ralph. If it's to look at 
the backstory of our characters that tend to be two-dimensional. I mean, literally yeah. two-dimensional, right? We're looking at a two-dimensional game when we're playing them. And if Wreck-It Ralph opens up the world so that we see that there's so much going on behind the scenes of the game, then it's a lot more difficult to write a two-dimensional, effective female villain. Yeah, where they need a little bit more depth and we need to understand more to accept that they're the bad guys. We need to understand more who they are and why they are behaving the way that they are behaving. Yeah. We didn't need to understand why the bad guy was the bad guy in uh, Wreck-It Ralph, which I won't give away who it was, but we didn't need any backstory to really understand that. No. We had very quick, very short glimpses of that backstory, and it was enough to satisfy everybody as to why that character was behaving how he was behaving. Yeah. So I think it just takes a little bit more effort. (laughs) Yeah. I Well, I just, if if you can't tell already, I think it's just a very well-layered movie. Mm. It's beautiful to watch, and I think that there are some very good messages out there for kids and especially girls especially girls yeah definitely i mean i, I um, think it is for everybody you know, yes grown-ups and kids and men and women and girls and boys i think can take away a lot from wreck it ralph and i think that that is subject of fantastic writing and good timing in terms of you yes. know when they put it out and and the upsurge in interest in gaming and retro gaming at this point in time it really Talk about hitting all your markers. <laughs> I know, I know, and and doing it w- where it's not so complicated. Exactly, I mean, it's, it's very flawless. It's very smooth, mm-hmm. and in the end, the movie really is about just identity. Mm-hmm. There is not a feminist message here. Well, I, well, in terms of acceptance. One of the core values of feminism, which often gets lost in the political agendas of feminism, is acceptance and is accepting everybody for who they are and what yeah. beliefs and abilities they bring to the table. And that tends to get overlooked and, and kind of pushed to the side when it's like, oh, this is about women and it needs to be about women. And that's not necessarily what feminism is about. It's really about no, acceptance. It, but that, I mean, you know what? That's what is so irritating because, I mean... That should be a universal. Oh, absolutely. It, sh- it should be. Everybody should be a feminist. <laughs> yeah. It shouldn't matter. Everybody, anybody who is a kind, you know, human is a feminist. If you, if you have any bias one way or another or you're, you know, uh, against one group or another group, regardless, yeah. then then that's just no good. It's all about love, right? It's all about acceptance. <laughs> yeah. Well, we really love the movie, and if any of you guys have seen it, or if you've got any different thoughts about the movie or some things that we miss, we'd love to hear from you. We love listener feedback. Um, you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or you can get feedback at our website, GameOnGirl.com. We are Game on Girl. I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RowRoom, that's R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M, or you can read my tech blog at drillonthefrog.com or email me at rondagameongirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter. If you haven't made it out to see Wreck-It Ralph, I cannot give a more 
enthusiastic recommendation for a movie for your holiday season that everybody will love, gamers and non-gamers alike. So please make sure to go out and check it out. And as Rhonda said, please give us your feedback. We'd love to hear what you guys think. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher Streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on the website, GameOnGirl.com. You can also leave comments and feedback on Twitter at Game underscore on underscore girl and on Facebook at Game on Girl Podcast. This podcast is edited with Audacity and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening and until next time, Game On!